and say yes when you're, when you're ever offered a, a piece of kindness by, by a local. Probably my single most powerful 10 days of, of my life. Welcome to the Travel Stories Podcast, where we bring you immersive, inspiring, and international travel stories of freedom and adventure from travelers around the world. Here is your host, Hayden Lee. Human connection is probably the most important thing in the world. It's what all of your friendships, all of the relationships you've ever had have been based on. It's what all of, at least what I think, are the most important things in the world are based on. So how do you cultivate this connection between two human beings, two separate human beings with separate consciousness? How do you cultivate this? How do you build this? How do you find this? I think it comes down to three things. Firstly, saying yes to everything that comes your way. Secondly, having the vulnerability to let yourself be open to that person, open to that other human being. And thirdly and finally, a little bit of courage. Courage to start that interaction, to start that connection. Our guest today is Travis Merrigan. Now you've heard me talk about the Grail Ultralight Water Purifier, and Travis is one of the founders of Grail. And we finally have him on the show. And he brings with him an awesome story from one of my favorite places in the world. You're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Travis Merrigan. Travis, how's it going, man? Ah, fantastic. Oh, good answer. Excited about life, excited about uh, where I'm at personally, where uh, my recent travels and, and just lots of things going on in life that are, that are really great. So pretty fantastic time in life right now. Excited about life. I love that, man. And you said your recent travels. You're in now, whereabouts are you now? I live in Seattle, Washington. Seattle. And uh, so your recent travels, why, uh, why were they so good? Why did it make you so excited about life? What happened, man? It's a really different stage now. I have a toddler and, and a wife. And where before almost all my travels were solo, it's just sort of what my, my preference would be to travel solo and meet people along the way. And now when I go out with um, obviously with my toddler and it just opens up a whole new world, you know, showing her things. You know, we can walk around the block and it's gonna be a totally fantastic experience for her. Uh, but we recently took her to Mexico as well and and uh so she got on her, her first international trip before age one and and it's just something we're gonna incorporate into her life and so it's uh it's just a really different way to travel, obviously. And it's an exciting time. Man, that's so interesting. I was talking to a guest recently, actually, about uh, if you were brought up with travel, and so you were you were traveling from a very young age, like from one, for example, and uh, how would that change? You? How would that change you as a person? You know, how would that change your view of the world, your view of people, your view of countries and nationalities, and all of this? What do you think about it, man? I, my first international trip, I was nineteen years old. Uh, I think that one thing we're we're trying to do with my daughter is uh, both. Uh, her mother and I are fluent in Spanish, and so trying to incorporate Spanish into her into her worldview, and I and I think that will allow her a broader sense of culture, a broader sense of who she is in the world. Where me growing up, I had no idea. I thought 
I thought the way we do it here is the way everybody should do it and everybody else is weird. So I would hope that it would, that it would broaden horizons and, and, uh, allow her to know some of the things that took me into my, well into my twenties to learn at, at a younger age. But I don't know. It's the, it's the big adventure. It's the big experiment. You know, how to, how to, how to bring up a kid is, uh, the big adventure. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a weird one because as soon as you as soon as you do start traveling, you're kind of your world kind of opens up in a weird way. Like you get all these new um, these new ways of seeing the world, these new ways of seeing people. And I, I assume you had it when you were 19 as well, when you first went on your first trip. And you you know, like I said, your world kind of opens up. So I'd imagine if your world is already that open from before you can remember. I'm uh, man. I'm excited to see how that goes. Absolutely. You know, I, even on my, my very first trip, uh, I would like to say that it was, you know, travel lust or something that I was after, but, but really I had planned to make a trip with a, with a girl that I was uh, interested in. And so we made, made a plan to take a trip to Guatemala, uh, a couple weeks before the trip, um, she broke up with me. And so I ended up going alone and which is probably the very best thing that could have happened. And, uh, yeah, so I, I was almost, uh, accidentally got interested in travel and you know i wish i had uh, had it earlier I, you know some things like you know a semester abroad when you're in high school or something like that can really uh would have really been good for me in hindsight and so yeah i, I think that the earlier the better uh, but really that anytime you get started traveling i think your mind can be equally blown and so long as that first experience is a good experience I, people tend to keep doing it Mm, absolutely, man. And it's funny that you mentioned that you were going to go with a girl and then you broke up, but you went anyway, because we had a uh, we had a, a question come in, or we had a comment rather, come in from a guy called Billy. And he uh, he was going to go to Indonesia and with his girlfriend, but then uh, they broke up. And he said, you know, should I still go? And, and how's it going to be? And it's his first trip. And it's now it's going to be his first solo trip, because it's his first trip ever. And it's, it's a very similar situation, or exactly the same situation to you. And so so he's now going out solo, whereas he would have been going with his girlfriend. And so when you did that first solo trip, did you have any thoughts like, man, I'm, I'm kind of glad it happened this way, you know, <laughs> anything like that? At first, I was very bummed. You know, I was, it was, uh, I was really excited by going particularly with this girl. Uh, and however, as a result of the trip, I, I really think I learned about myself that I like to travel alone and that all kinds of opportunities arise, uh, experiences arise when you're traveling alone that, that you're just excluded from when, when you're another person. Maybe I can get deeper into that, but, but it doesn't mean that it's, it's easy. It's, it's often easy. It, it's, it's much easier if in those down times, those little lonely times, you just have somebody to turn to and play a game of cards. But what that does is, well, you're talking in English to the person that you came with, who's from your city, you've already had a bunch of experiences with, you are forfeiting the possibility of having experiences interacting with other people, which for me is the core of travel. It's, it's the most important thing that you can do um, in Indonesia or wherever you're at to really you know, take an opportunity to, to turn away from what you know and, and absorb and embrace everything that you don't know, particularly people. And so traveling alone can be really helpful in that regard. And so I strongly encourage him to keep to, to go, um, to to brace himself for a few lonely times as you always have when you're when you're when you're alone for extended periods of time. But that in, in the end, I think it'll be the best thing that happens to him. Yeah, man, that's almost the exact advice that I gave him. <laughs> that's brilliant. It's good to be backed <laughs> up. That's great. Excellent. 
Excellent. <laughs> Mad, so we talked before, and you mentioned uh, the idea of, uh, you didn't say the word, but it was the idea of sonder, the fact that everyone has a story, no matter who it is. But you said you have to speak their language. Now, I'm guessing you don't mean Spanish or German or something like that. It's helpful to have you know, in-depth conversations with, if you speak the language. However, it's more about an openness to interact with people because you, you don't need too many words to have an awesome experience to be able to tag along with somebody or, or get a ride or go over to their house and eat. You don't, you don't need in-depth philosophical conversations to, to be able to enjoy real genuine moments of, of human closeness and, and to learn a lot of things. So while I certainly would encourage anyone to uh, pick up a language or, you know, at the very least spend a couple of weeks to learn 20 words that will help you get around the country that you're going to. Mm, yeah, that totally makes sense, man. And what you were saying about um, having that same kind of mindset, the openness is how you put it, and like the kind of the vulnerability to to accept these relationships and to, even if you don't speak the same language, you know, it's it's having that vulnerability and that openness to to interact with people. Even if you, can, like I said, even if you're not speaking the same language, you can be on the same wavelength, you know? It's, it's, it's a really hippie way of saying it, but there's something about it, man. If you're both open and vulnerable to these situations, then it doesn't even matter if you don't understand each other, <laughs> you know, I think, anyway. Absolutely, and I, and I find that most, many, many people in, in, in your travels will be, if you, if you catch them, if they're not in a hurry, it doesn't look like they're scurrying off someplace, but often you have to make the same move. And that's, there's that moment when you don't know whether you're going to be accepted or rejected. You know, I, oftentimes I, well, there's an old man sitting on the park bench in every park in any, any part of the world. And it looks like he's got nowhere to be. And he's, he's just watching the, watching the things go around him. And sometimes just plopping down beside him, you know, with a prop, maybe a, a newspaper and, and pointing at something interesting, even if you don't read the, the language on the newspaper, is enough to, to start an interaction. T talking about food is, 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 a good, is a good way to do it. You know, if you know just a couple of words for food, you can ask him about a restaurant. And, and then that gets the conversation going. And it can be two minutes and you get a little piece of information. It can be much, much longer and you get invited to the, to the person's house for a, for, for a meal, which happens with stunning regularity when you really put yourself out there. It's, it's a way that people – People like to share their culture. They like to they like to to, to share their homeland. Um, they like to share their food, and and so food is one of the ways that, where you can really connect. And if you get invited to somebody's house, always take it. It's a it's a delightful experience to to eat homemade food in someone's house. Absolutely, man. And you know, I never realized that that. But now I think about it. Every single park that I've ever seen, there is a, there is always that one bloke sitting on the bench. There is every <laughs> single park, man. <laughs> and um, it, it's funny, man. Going back to uh, going back to what Billy was saying, he was kind of uh, he was kind of worried about because he's going solo. Is he going to meet everyone and and everything like this? And I said, man, everyone there is 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 there to meet you. They're ready, you know. And it's this thing, just like you said, of going up and saying something, even if you've. Got got a prop and you point to something it's going up and initiating that conversation because you never know where it'll go man you never know where it'll go and so i always make an effort nowadays to even if i'm just even if i'm in london i'm on the tube i'll always talk to the person next to me i'm that annoying guy that talks to the person next <laughs> to him you know man i remember i was on a plane going from uh, from moscow i think to somewhere else and uh, i was sitting next to this guy he was he was asleep he had his hat over his head right and uh, this the stewardess uh, air hostess i don't know what you call them nowadays 
But she came over and he wakes up and he says, have you got any whiskey, any vodka, anything like that? And she goes, no, we don't have any alcohol. Right? And, I, and she went away. And I turned to him and I said, man, no alcohol on a Russian flight? What's going on here? And from that one thing, we talked for the rest of the flight. His name was Valentin Pelka. He was in, uh, he was in the film The Pianist. He was an actor. Really cool guy. Oh. And just, be yeah, just because of that one sentence that I said, we just had this amazing conversation. And it was just that one little sentence, man. It can be so powerful to your, to your future, you know? I have had a lot of great experiences with people on the move, you know, on, on, on public transit, be it a plane, be it a bus, be it a boat. With all due respect to the guy sitting on the, on the park bench in, the, in that town square, uh, people who are going someplace, they've, they've got a story of why they're going. They've got a story of where, where they've come from. They've probably traveled before. They've probably been to the place you're headed to. So it's, there's a lot of fertile ground for conversation among people who are on the move. So a lot of, a lot of, real relationships I've had or in, in my travels have been meeting people on public transit. Yeah, man. And maybe it's easier on, on public transport and everything like that because they've got an out if they need, you know, and like, mm -hmm. and you're kind of in, you're kind of in neutral ground, you know, like if you're, if you're there and the guy's on the bench every day, you're in his house now, you know, and if you're That's on neutral point. ground, you're both completely vulnerable to it. You're both completely open because you're both just visitors there in a way, you know? It's like you're both travelers because you're both literally traveling, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. And there's there's time to kill generally when you're when you're <laughs> going from place to place. And uh, yeah, and so and people will be open to it or they won't. And you know, you can you can tell pretty quickly if somebody's not not interested in a conversation, which is fine. You have exchange a couple pleasantries and move on. But more often than not, uh, particularly if you bring a good vibe to the conversation, you'll uh, get a lot back in return. Absolutely, man. That's a pro tip right there. Loving it. Loving it. Wicked. Well, have you got a story for us today, my man? Yeah. Well, my one of my favorite travel stories of all times includes interacting with people and public transit. <laughs> oh, wicked. It's almost like we planned it. <laughs> right? Probably my single most powerful travel experience was uh, five, five days and then the extension thereafter on a boat headed up the Amazon. Right then, and if you could give this story a name, what would you call it? Oh boy, tough question. Um, how about River to the Deepest Amazon? What do you think? Nice. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Right then, you're listening to the Travel Stories Podcast, and this is Travis Merrigan with River to the Deepest Amazon. I was on a six-month trip in Latin America. Started in Argentina and took a bus all the way back to the United States. And at a certain point, I got to Belém, Brazil, which is on the Atlantic coast. I had a plan to go up the Amazon, and you can't you can't drive up the Amazon. You can either fly or you can take a boat because there are no roads. More interesting way I seem to be taking the boat, so I got a ticket. I bought a hammock because that's both your chair and the place you sleep over five days and got on this boat, hot and sweaty, on a, sitting in a port for hours before the boat took off. Of course, it was late and everybody's kind of keeping to themselves and finally we, finally we took off. The boat's a giant boat, maybe 300 people on the boat, 250, 300 people, three levels. And as soon as we started going, it turned into a little community. Everybody was on there for five straight days. 
that develops a culture of interaction because you're so close to people. Your hammock's hanging right next to somebody else. And a culture of sharing. On this boat, one, one of my favorite aspects of it was that you're, you're on a boat and these little boys, generally boys who live in these villages, will come rowing these little cutout wood canoes rowing as fast as they can. The boat comes up and passes them. They take a grappling hook and they throw the grappling hook onto the boat, hold on tight, tie their little boat onto our big boat, and then climb on board with something to sell. And it can be fruits or berries from, from where they're from. It can be pickled vegetables. It can be meats or, or other things. It can be clothing. And virtually every time a little boy jumped on this boat, I bought whatever they had to, whatever they had to sell, even though most of the time I didn't even know what it was and started to share it among the, pe the people around me. And that really opened up, the first time I did it, opened up a whole bunch of conversations with, with all these folks as, as they, they realized I was gonna be a good neighbor on this trip. I ended up meeting a couple of people who, who became really lifelong friends on this trip. One was a business person, just headed the same direction, and one was uh, a young woman headed home. And over the course of, of the boat ride and, and the couple of stops that we made, this relationship really deepened. I learned a lot about this section of Brazil, sort of forgotten section of Brazil that's sort of in the, almost literally in the middle of nowhere, sparsely populated, kind of forgotten by the central government in their minds. And then also the, the unique, distinct culture that they had up there. The young woman in particular was um, half native. Her mother was, was full native and her, and her father was Brazilian. At the end of the trip, she invited me to come visit her village. After a fantastic boat ride with, with amazing adventures on that boat, then being able to go to her little remote village was really an honor. I, we jumped on a bus, took it to a crossroads, got off the bus, waited several several hours for the next little tiny school bus to come and it picked us up took us down to the end of the the pavement which is a few miles down the road and then another 12 or 15 miles on a on a dirt road bumpy dirt road until it reached the very end of the road where there was this little village at, at the edge of the jungle And for the next four or five days, I hung out with the family, learned some recipes, learned a little bit about the culture. One day I went out with the father who worked in the, the fields that, that surround the village. And so learned a little bit about the agriculture. And one day I got sick and I, I started a cough. I really started to feel bad. I it felt like for sure I was going to be one of these sort of debilitating flus that sets in that, that knocks you off course for a couple of days. I was laying down on a couch. The mother had gone outside. I didn't know where. She came back with roots and some, some branches and some leaves and, and boiled it all together. And then served me this concoction. It tasted kind of bitter. It was, it was almost carbonated, reddish color. I drank it down, immediately took a nap and woke up feeling like a million bucks. 
to this day, I don't know if it was just coincidence that I would have got better anyway, or my true belief is that that concoction, whatever it was, whatever the combination of, of, of roots and medicines and, and native things, made me better. Just it was, it was a magical solution that probably is unknown in that combination to modern science. I sure felt better when I was done. One of the hardest things was, was leaving. You know, they, they said, hey, you know, we, <laughs> the father offered me a job to work in the fields, which was, which was flattering. I, I'm not sure if he was serious or not, but I told him I had to move on. And, and when I left, many people from the village came out to, to wish me well as, as I left. And it was one of the most touching, one of the most, one of the most incredible short experiences I've ever had. I always remember the people that I met and the, the time there, and, and I'm still in touch with several of the people on Facebook. So it was just a really powerful memory that, and set of experiences that was, it combined a wonderful place to visit. It combined really deep and close personal interactions with people. It involved forgetting my schedule because I nowhere on my schedule is go to some little remote village for, for four or five days. In the end, I was, I was, I was much richer and, and I, hope the, I hope the village was a little bit too. They don't give visitors out that way often and, and I, I hope that I was able to give back a little bit with my good cheer and, and some stories and some, some photographs that I sent back. Not many people in the village had, had photographs so I was able to mail back some, some physical photos back to the village and it was just one of those experiences that I'll never forget but that I, I think, is, I think that is out there for a lot of people if uh, you just open your mind to it and, and open your heart a little bit and take a little time to learn the local language and and say yes when you're when you're ever offered a, a piece of kindness by by a local probably my single most powerful 10 days of of my life That was Travis Merrigan with River to the Deepest Amazon. Nice, man. I love it. I love it. And I've got to say, if I got that job, off, job offer to work in the fields, I would still be there now. Uh, <laughs> instant, <laughs> man, I really feel like my future is in a little farm in rural Brazil. I don't know why, but that's where I see myself. <laughs> well, if you're interested, I got, a, I got a spot where they're looking for somebody just like you. Oh, I, it, perfect. It was- it was fantastic. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know, we worked really hard that day. It was, um, did the, it was fields are in, in transition. And so w- one of the fields were, they were, they were turning the field. It was, it had been harvested and, and they're getting it ready for the next planting. And then there was a separate crop that, that was being harvested. And, and it was, uh, I, I, I learned, uh, I learned a lot and I, I'm just so thankful that they, they saw fit to, allow me to give me a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's kind of like, or it's exactly like your kind of, your sharing, open, vulnerable mindset kind of gave birth to all of this. None of, maybe none of this would have happened if you didn't have that, that open mindset to say yes, to, to, to buy the things off the boys and to share them with everyone else. All of that mindset, man. I've got a question about it. If you, 
if you had a way to kind of, if someone's listening to this and they think, I want that mindset because I'm going to go traveling and I don't really just want to go see the sights and go see things and see how it goes. I want to have these experiences. And I've learned from Travis that having this mindset is really beneficial to having these experiences. So how would you kind of begin to cultivate this? Are there any ways that you can have this into your life, this, this open, you know, vulnerable mindset? Yeah, you know, and I, I certainly don't claim to be a be an expert at this, um, and and nor would I say that this is the the only way to have a great trip. But if if this is what you're trying to accomplish, I think a few things are important. One I already mentioned, which is travel alone, uh, just great vastly increases the your 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 likelihood of of interacting with other people because you simply have to, and and particularly if you're a shy person, because. Uh, you well be put in situations where you can break out of your shell. So that that's one thing that we already discussed. I think another is that it, it's it's helpful to get on on a trip. You, you are you're an adventurer. You're a tourist. You're whatever. Get away from the tourist more touristy places. Nothing wrong with the touristy places. They're often beautiful places to go visit. By all means, go check them out. But the the people who make their living off the tourist trade. Will certainly be very open to interacting with you, um, but more in a transactional nature. Nothing wrong with that. They make their living off of that. But uh, if if you want to develop a friendship as opposed to carry out a series of transactions, it's helpful to get a little bit away from the, the awesome place where there's the, where there's the great cathedral or the or the beautiful waterfall, and go spend some time one village over or two neighborhoods over, because those folks don't make their living off, off tourists by and large, um, but are probably open to, to, to interacting with them or, or likely so. And the third, I guess, is just the, the mindset that we've been discussing. I, I think that there is a, you, you, you said the word vulnerability. That's, that's a great word for it. Um, it, it also takes a little bit of courage, um, particularly if you're, you're an introvert or, or tend to be a little shy or, or trying to learn a language and you still think you're terrible at it. Oftentimes the response you'll get from someone when you first make an effort to reach out to them using the one or two words that you know from their language or whatever the case is with a little bit of kindness, then people will be surprised because normally they see tourists tromping around and they never say say a word in their language and they never interact with normal people. And so you need to make the first move and you need to do so in a way that is is engaging and it's friendly. A, A smile is the international language yeah man and one of the interesting things that you said is uh is about having the courage to do it and that's something that i sometimes i always see just one of the first ways i think to to get this and to get that courage is to just do it you know because if you just go out there and even in your own language in your own country on the bus on the way to work if you just talk to someone that's sitting next to you then that's the first step and another one would be have some sort of some sort of light not a joke but um, so, for example, in uh, in Brazil, the uh, the Rio accent is a little bit more difficult for me because I um, I, I learned uh, well not São Paulo Portuguese, but uh, in the countryside of São Paulo, right? And it's kind of like learning, uh, it's kind of like learning English with a Texan accent or a Liverpool accent. It's <laughs> you know, no one does it, and it's kind of it's it's a kind of funny thing. So that would always be what I'd open with, you know, I'd I'd say something in Portuguese, and then and then after you know a sentence or two, that's what I'd say. I'd say, ah, you know, I, I learned this Portuguese, so I say this word like this. I say porta and berta and all this stuff. And, and then it gets this laugh in. And, and from then, it's just so much easier. 
uh, even if it's not in another language, having that type of, it's exactly like you said with the smile. It's a universal thing. Smiles and laughs and good times. It's completely universal. And that courage, that is, that is ideal, man. And just getting out there and doing it. You're so right with what you say, man. That's, that's exactly right. And, and what works about that, you, know, you, you use a, you know, it's, it's a touchstone in their language that, that they can immediately recognize. And there's a surprise that, oh, who, who's this, who's this guy from, who's obviously not from here, who knows this thing about my culture. And that immediately breaks down a barrier. And, and so, yeah, it, it's a, it's a great technique and, and figuring out what those are, you know, knowing a little bit about the, the local news, knowing a little bit about the, you know, the, the hurricane that passed through last year, whatever, whatever the case is, um, those kinds of things can really, uh, open you up as somebody who's genuinely interested about this place right here and this person that you're talking to um, in a way that, you know, most of the tourists who get off the big cruise ship or whatever will, will never take the time to do. And, and that really separates you in the mind of that person that you're trying to interact with and opens up the possibility of a, a real genuine experience. Yes, man. There's so many actionable things in this episode. We never usually do actionable, but this one's full of it, man. I love it. I love it. Now, what I want to talk travel about... Tips. Yeah, travel tips, right? Now, what I want to talk about, well, I've been wanting to talk about it since the start, since we started recording this episode. Now, uh, you people listening, you've heard me talk about this before. It is Grail, the ultralight purifier, and I always forget a couple of words in the title of it. But <laughs> the way I'd want to... Uh, That's just right. <laughs> yeah, the way I'd like to uh, like to approach it is is getting your idea about environmental kind of stewardship. You know, when it comes to travel, particularly use to use of plastics and and recycling and stuff like that. You know, and um, kind of what you think about that and how how Grail is here to you know to see what it's about and uh, and go from there. Really, uh, that's right. You know, and I I really appreciate your support and, and spreading the word about our about our purifier bottle. I think anybody who's been traveling, particularly in the developed world, uh, will come upon a scene again and again and again, which is a giant pile of trash on the side of the road or, you know, on, on a street corner. And it's, it's a, it, it makes, it, it's always really made me sad to see, um, for, for a number of reasons, you know, one is that, that in the developing world, plastic is simply not recycled just it, because it's not economical to do so. They recycle 100% of, of aluminum cans because they can make money doing it, but but nobody pays for, for plastic bottles. Uh, the stuff st stays around forever, and it's lightweight enough that eventually a big rainstorm will come and wash it out into the sea. Um, and I mean that's it's it's just a it's a global it's a global problem, a global tragedy that's building and building. That and it's one of the reasons why we we're so passionate about what we do at Grail in giving people who who travel the option of not drinking out of single-use plastic bottles, which is a huge percentage of that waste. You know, if you think about when, you, when you're traveling, particularly in hot, humid places, you may go through three, four, five liters of water a day. And if every single one of those comes in a single-use bottle over the course of a couple of weeks or a couple of months, it's hundreds and hundreds of bottles that will just stay there and, and, and be there basically forever. The ultralight purifier bottle is, is a way to, to get around this by bringing a device where you can make your own water from virtually any water that you, you're going to encounter on your travels, um, from your hotel sink, from even from, from rivers and streams. The core idea of the bottle, what we are setting out to create was something that was 
light and compact enough that you would find room for it in your backpack, which let's face it, it's a, it's a long trip. You got to make hard decisions about what you're going to bring. So compact and light has the the power inside of it to remove the things that are most likely to make, make you sick when you, when you travel. So those are pathogens like bacteria and protozoa and virus that can make you seriously sick for a long time. Plus the, the, the chemicals and the dirt and some of the heavy metals that may be incidentally in this water that you don't even know about. And so that's, so we pack the, the, the best purification and filtration technology that was available in, in, into this device. And then finally set out to make a device that was simple, easy to use, dare I say, a joy to use so that you would actually use it. Yeah, man. Well, like I was thinking about it and um, it seems like such a, such a no brainer. Like you're, you're constantly having to buy this, uh, buy this bottled water, you know, in, in certain countries. I mean, say you're in, you know, Vietnam or something, or, or, or you're in India and you're thinking, I've got to constantly buy bottled water. And it's, man, that's like, well, it can't get too expensive in countries like that, but it's the cost is a uh, cost aside. I mean, it's storing all the stuff and then you only have that much and then you're out, you've got to buy some more or you take it all with you, taking up all your room. And all these questions, man, were in my head. I remember I was in, um, I think I was in Melbourne. I was just about to head out to Indonesia, right? And uh, and I was thinking, I need, I need a better way to do this. You know, can I get some sort of like, some sort of bottle that, uh, that, uh, you know, crushes down and you can put in your bag and keep that and then fill it up. But then you've got to carry a, a bottle full of, you know, five liters of water or something, you know, and there's all these things. I was like, there's got to be something. And that's when I stumbled across, you know, purifiers and things like that. And there was a couple, there were a couple there. And I remember there was, there was loads of reasons that I chose the Grail. One of them was because it looks so cool. I'm, I have to be honest, man. One of the reasons was because it looks <laughs> so cool. Especially, I don't want to, I don't want to diss them, but especially compared to the others. But anyway, so, and then, and then I had it and I remember just, having that kind of freedom, you know, knowing that I have this bottle and anywhere I could drink from anywhere. I don't have to worry. There's just no worry that I'm going to just hop on a motorbike, just, you know, ride around, go right up the country. And there's no worry there. There's no worry. And I remember I was, um, I was in India and, uh, and I sent, uh, I sent a message to someone at Grail. I can't remember who it was, but I sent a message to him saying, is it okay to, uh, drink Ganges water? And then I got, I got a message back and it was like, yeah, yeah, no worries. We've checked it all out. I've checked with the science guy. The science guy, I love that. And uh, yeah, you're all good to go. And I'm like, that's awesome. And so I just drank Ganges water. You know, it was, man, it was... A, <laughs> From the Holy like, River. Yep. <laughs> exactly, right. But then I eventually, you know, the uh, there was this hippie girl there. A hippie in a good way. There was this hippie girl there and she was like, why are you purifying it? It's holy, you know, just drink the water. It's it's holy water. And, so, and, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's a different story entirely but uh <laughs> drink water straight from the ganges without purifying yeah we were quite we were right next to the Him- himalayas and so it wasn't oh, okay. it wasn't too bad it wasn't like you know varanasi or something like that or it's you know <laughs> it wasn't as brown as it could have been but uh but yeah no it wasn't too bad so i, I do have a science background I was, I was biochemist by training spent a couple of years in the lab and uh, that really is informs the work that we do at grail uh thorough testing, all of that stuff. It's and, and one of the most important things you can do is to have a great trip. If you want to meet people, it helps not to be sick. Um, I have spent uh, a couple of different nights uh, hugging a toilet seat in a, in a developing world because of something I ate or something I drank. And it's really not an experience to, to repeat. Uh, uh, there's a lot of tips about food and, and, and how to 
how to make sure you're eating well, but when, when you're drinking, um, you, when you're using a purifier to stay safe, whether you're in the mountains hiking or camping or whether you're, you're traveling internationally, it's important to start with the cleanest water that you can. And it's really important when you're looking at a device, yeah, whether it's, whether it's mine or some of the other excellent products that are out there to, to look at the capabilities of, of the device. And when you're, you're traveling in the, the, the developing world, a f- filter isn't sufficient. You really do need a purifier. And what that means is that you need the ability to remove not just bacteria and protozoa, which is what a filter generally does, but also virus. Um, you're worried about rotavirus. You're worried about norovirus. You're worried about hepatitis A, which is endemic in a lot of the countries in the developing world. Um, so uh, take a close look. Uh, the Our purifier bottle isn't the only product out there, but it, it uh, makes sure that whatever product that you select, if you're going to um, – Make your own water on your trip. Uh, will will remove bacteria, protozoa, virus, and then it's also helpful if it will remove um, some chemicals and heavy metals because that that can incrementally over the course of your lifetime, yeah, shorten your lifespan. So th- those are some of the things I would look at if when you're when you're comparing and contrasting different filters and purifiers. Yeah, man. So you were the science guy that I was talking to. <laughs> I was the science guy. Yeah. <laughs> no I, I, <laughs> well, thank you for the advice. I studied biochemistry in school, and then I worked for a couple of years in a in a biology lab before realizing that what a scientist does is very carefully analyze, do an experiment, and if it works, you do it again. If it doesn't work, you do it again. It was it's just not my style. I'm I'm kind of more improvisational and um, less careful. <laughs> so it's uh, it is that's why. But but those those skills um, match with my. Uh, mine were, were sort of analytical and, and scientific match with my business partner, Nancy Weston, who is the designer, is the creative genius who, who really you know, birthed this idea. And, and she and I worked on it together to, to bring it to life. And so it's a good, uh, as with any relationship, you know, a, a business partner relationship, it's good if you have many things in common and skill sets and, and interests that are different because that sort of goes together to make the perfect harmony to for whatever you're doing to build something great yeah man well thanks for the scientific advice there when uh when i was <laughs> messaging you from uh from india even though it contrasted with uh with the argentinian hippies advice who i later <laughs> took so <laughs> yes, what could possibly go wrong yeah that's right right <laughs> but no man it it really does suck being being ill being sick when you're when you're traveling i had uh, i had dengue fever in the same place actually in uh, in india and it just Man, it just takes you out, you know? Like, I went to the, uh, what they refer to as a hospital, I would disagree, but um, what they refer to as a hospital there, and they said, uh, they said, mate, they didn't say it in a Cockney accent, but they said, mate, you need an IV. I said, cool, hook me up. They said, yeah, we don't have one. I was like, okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it's not fun being ill when you're, uh, when you're traveling. So I love that aspect of it, that you always got that, that kind of, uh, that knowledge that, you know, you're probably going to be okay. You, at least your water's going to be fine, you know? You can't really stop mosquitoes from coming too much, but your water's going to be okay, you know? I love that. It really, I, I always say this when I talk about Grail because it, it always sounds like I'm, I always say we're not sponsored by these guys. And the reason I say that is because it sounds like we are, because it sounds like I'm so enthusiastic about this product. It sounds like I'm one of those guys on those adverts, like I use this every day, you know, <laughs> but genuinely, I, I genuinely love it. That's, that's the only place my enthusiasm comes from. You know what I mean? Wow. That's uh, it, it's 
quite an honor and as a, an experienced traveler and uh somebody who's um obviously packed a backpack many many times um it's uh it's an honor that you you, you carry it around and that you, you think so highly of it that you'd uh you, you'd recommend it to your the people on your podcast because that's your legitimacy right you um yeah we we don't sponsor you but man maybe we should uh <laughs> it's um yeah and for me it's kind of ultra difficult because uh, as my listeners know i come from this this weird punk rock background that i never want to be that guy that says go buy this just for the money you know and it's i never want to be that guy and i'm so hesitant to bring on sponsors i'm so hesitant to talk about products and that's why that's why I always like to clarify, you know what I mean? That my enthusiasm is only due to how much I, there's like maybe two, possibly even three products that I would, that I would tell people to go buy because I know they're going to love them. There's po- two, possibly three. You know? And one of them is, is this grail bottle, man. Honestly, it's great. That is some of the most sincere flattery I've ever heard in my life. So I, <laughs> I really, really appreciate that. And, um, Yes, thank you very much. Man, this has been absolutely great talking to you, man. I've really enjoyed this. And uh, I hope I hope for my uh, for my listeners that I haven't that we haven't talked about Grail too much because I hope that they can see my enthusiasm for it, you know? My my overall hope in this life is that I'm not seeing uh, this is my punk rock roots coming out, is that I'm not seeing as someone that's saying, Look, go and buy this. I hope they can tell my genuine enthusiasm for this thing, man. I really do. But man, this is this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on. Dude, is there anything you'd like to uh, leave our listeners with? Thank, thank you so much for those comments. It's really delightful to hear. And genuinely, I'm warmed. Um, I would like to offer your listeners a little discount. Um, we're going to do a 25% discount for a limited period of time. It's a bigger discount than you know, almost ever do. If, if they're interested, for, um, until the end of November, go to our website, thegrail.com, and use the offer code TS25. Like TS, travel stories. As in travel TS stories. 20, exactly. 25. And 25% off uh, through the end of November. And we'll get uh, we'll get your listeners hooked up with uh, with with uh, Purifier. Brilliant, brilliant. I love that. Thanks so much for that, man. 25%. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Awesome. And we I, we we work really hard to on international shipping. Uh, we work with discount shippers, so it's Probably the least expensive shipping internationally. If you live outside of the United States, it's uh, we, we we work hard to to let folks all over the world uh, access our products. Don't make any money on shipping, um, just because we want to get it in as many hands as we can of of people all around the world. So thank you so much for your support. It's it's a uh, it's really a joy chatting with you. You got a wonderful podcast, and I'm looking forward to interacting with some of your listeners and uh, hearing what they have to say and hearing more of your travel stories. So thank you so much for having me on. It's a it was a joy. Wicked. No worries, man. I'll speak to you soon. Fantastic. Thanks a lot. Hey, guys. As you heard from Travis there, hop on to thegrail.com, G-R-A-Y-L, and use the code TS25, that's Travel Stories, TS25, to get 25% off. I feel dirty doing an advertisement. Anyway, you also have a chance to win one. This is your last chance, actually. Get a question in for the end-of-season Q&A. Just hop on to TravelStoriesPodcast.com, find us on Facebook, or email me, Hayden, at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. Thanks again, guys. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to the Travel Stories Podcast. Get in touch with Hayden on Twitter at TravelStoriesUK or online at TravelStoriesPodcast.com. 
where you can find all of the show notes and resources. Subscribe to the show to join us next time for another immersive, inspiring and international travel story on the Travel Stories Podcast.